This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast, Quarantine Edition Number Three. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some good news, AC, and I'm not talking about America reopening again. I'm talking about <laughs> Matthew Hurt coming back for his second year. Announced that the other day, he was joining Wendell news. Moore. Yeah, it's great news. We have now Matthew Hurt and Wendell Moore as yeah. two of our top four freshmen from last year coming back. Mm-hmm. And, I thought uh, you were going to say the good news, news is what you were drinking today. Well, you know, honestly, uh, <laughs> for today's you know, this podcast, isn't, yeah, this is this isn't a uh, religious podcast, but I do give up uh, dark liquor every month, um, <laughs> so I did just pour my first one um, since since then, and I got okay. a little uh, Jack Daniels, a little wine in there, and a little Diet Dr Pepper, and uh, you got, you're doing that red wine again, AC? What do you got? No, boys? sir. No, sir. I had I had a feeling tonight's podcast was going to be extra special, so I brought out the uh, the Virginia Distillery malt whiskey, Scotch whiskey with the Virginia malt mixed together. Oh my God! Starts out like a Scotch, finishes like a bourbon. It's excellent, excellent. The Highland, wow. it's the Highland whiskey version. Oh yes, sir. And do you have do you have that on like a nice, perfect ice cube, like, a, like one of those big block ice? Uh, no, I have enough stress in my life. I go straight neat. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. Uh, well, you know, I think we'll find out how this uh, podcast is going. Uh, if we start slurring our words by the end <laughs> That's of it. Right. Uh, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen, but, you know, we might as well just get started. So, <laughs> uh, again, the good news is, um, and, and we've been over this um, on so many different podcasts this season, that we weren't sure what Matthew Hurt was going to do. Obviously, mm-hmm. the plan for him coming into Duke was that he was going to be a one-and-done player that was always mm-hmm. his, his father's plan, the family plan, to, get, to go to, to the NBA after the season. He had some really nice moments this year, but ultimately kind of faded a little bit down the stretch. You know, he did, you know, average 9.7 points a game, four mm-hmm. rebounds. So, you know, overall, it wasn't a bad season. And nope. he did have a pretty typical freshman campaign where there's some inconsistencies there. But he showed a lot of flashes. We've talked about that before, where especially that 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 Florida State game, where he came mm-hmm. up with that big loose ball, that big offensive rebound, the three point play that really sealed that game for us. He's shown the ability to have some resiliency and bounce back nicely. And you see, what is the addition of having Matthew Hurt back to be kind of that leader mean for Duke next year? I mean, it gives. It gives the team a legitimate score. It's no secret we've talked about it before. This year's version of Duke is going was going to lack scoring depending on who left to go to to go to the NBA. Um, you know the the recruits we have coming in, Jalen Johnson included. None of them are known as top notch go get them scores. So having somebody like Matt back is big because that's what he does. Like as, as much as we've complained about his defense and his rebounding and things, you got to wonder if his offensive skill set sometimes is enough to offset that. And we've seen throughout the season, we've seen him with 19 point games, 25 against BC, 22 against Miami, double digits down the stretch, uh, the second half of the season in the ACC season with 12, 12s and 16s. You know, we've seen him put up numbers even in, in limited time. So, to have him back as a veteran presence who knows the system, knows K, knows the ACC, it's helpful, man. It's it's very helpful to have someone that size and and that versatile in terms of skill offensive skill set for a team like this because this team needs a shooter. They need someone who can get buckets down low, not necessarily not necessarily on the post, but more so, you know, just using size. So it's big, man. It's it's big, no pun intended, that that Matt Hurd is back. And and we need him. Like for for all intents and purposes, we need him. For sure. We he's been through the trials and tribulations. He's actually a little bit older. That was one of the reasons mm-hmm. that they that they really wanted him to go to the league after one year. He'll right. be a twenty one year old sophomore. But that's good for Duke because he mm-hmm. is going to be that older presence. He is going to be that guy that's been through the roller coasters of a, of a freshman season. Which yeah. again, it's it's just too bad that in twenty twenty that you know you're not even allowed as a top 15 recruit to have a roller coaster inconsistent freshman year anymore you look at it as a bust if that happens right. but we've seen we've seen guys before him have you know that roller coaster freshman year and have really strong sophomore campaigns 
Now, Trey Jones didn't have as much of a roller coaster, but he had to take a big jump. Mm-hmm. Luke Kennard, same thing. And I think that that is a comparison a lot of Duke fans are going to right now. Do you see some comparisons there where, you know, Luke had those games, you know, Wake Forest, 20 points. Next game, Miami, zero. Right. Uh, 15, 18 points the game after that, next game, zero. It was like clockwork. You couldn't get a consistent Luke Kennard his freshman year. Mm-hmm. But that's just how it goes. And, and it's actually a pretty good comparison because, you know, his father talked about maybe transferring Luke out. Thank right. God he stuck around, averaged over 19 points a game, and turned himself into a lottery pick. Exactly. Now we're not sure that that's going to turn into Matthew Hurt next year. But where do you see those comparisons? Do you like either of those? I don't think it's horrible. I don't, I don't think comparing him to Luke Kennard is horrible. I mean, you're, you're not comparing a position, which is okay. I, right. I have no problem with that. It's it's you know it's more of comparing how you how you jump from your freshman to your sophomore year. Honestly, these kids now, especially the guys that Duke are bringing in because they're bringing in you know top notch recruits. I don't feel like they're freshmen so much as they're they're kind of coming in almost as as sophomores or juniors in some cases. And in Matt's case, really because of age, he came in as as almost like he should have been a sophomore. And I still I, I used the comparison before and I still use the comparison of, you know, kind of the jump that Ryan Kelly made. Ryan had some of those same games and same stats where he put up, you know, double digits one game and then and then kind of disappear the next game, his sophomore season. And then jumping into his junior year, he was you know, basically strictly a double digit scorer all season with a lot of big numbers that he put up. I, I kind of see Matt in that same vein. I don't I don't know that he's gonna have those huge games like Luke did his his sophomore season where he's putting up you know 30 points and such but very like a, a Matt Hurt that is in the the 14 to 20 point range I will absolutely take with the squad that we have coming in I will That's absolutely take that yeah and and it's pretty big range though it is it is but I I think it it gives him leeway because I I don't expect him to be consistent enough especially with no offseason more than likely no off season with the coaches on campus. I I can't feasibly say he's just going to all of a sudden be a a 17 a game score every game, 17, 17, 22, 17. I, I can't see that. I can see some games where he's going to throw a stinker out there where he's got nine points, <laughs> but where, but if, if we can get again, four, 14 to 20, he's going to have some games where he goes off and hits some threes. He's going to have some games where hit, the three's not falling, but he's taking some inside shots, getting fouled. And and I'm okay with that. And and those games are going to change because you're hitting threes. That's going to change your scoring. You're going to score a lot more points than if you're just getting two pointers. So that 14 to 20 range is just more of an, more indicative of how he scores points because he's able to do it in so many different ways. So sure. that that's kind of why I use that range. But again, it's it's just it's what he does. It's who he is. And without a true off season. I don't want to heap too much pressure on him because that that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure to put on a guy that, that doesn't have a chance to really work the way he needs to work because he needs to work on strength. He needs to work on ball handling. He needs to work on some other facets of his game that he's not going to get a chance to work on. Yeah, you actually touched on the question I was just going to ask you is, what does he need to work on? I think, I think all of you fans realize that the number one thing that Matthew Hurt needs to work on coming into – next year is his strength. You know, mm-hmm. He's a wiry kid. He he does show toughness, but in order to to play the position, we'll get to you know the, the whole team uh, in our next segment, but to play that versatile four or five position, which I really anticipate Duke using a lot with him next year, mm-hmm. he's gonna have to put on a strength. That's number one. Now one thing I do somewhat disagree with and, and I never I, I just started thinking about this that with this just bizarre offseason that we're going to have, one of the things that Duke really needs every offseason these days is to have all of these freshmen come in early, you know, early June, mm-hmm. mid-June, so that these guys can get acclimated together, go through the workout program with Coach Will, um, Bond, do all these things together during the offseason because they don't have as much time right. as you had in years past where you have these guys who already know each other coming back. So with that being said, if that doesn't happen, I could see Matthew stepping in and kind of right away dropping those 17, 20, 22-point games mm-hmm. at the beginning of the first 10, 15 games of the year 
because he's ahead of the curve of everybody else. Right. He's going to be looked at as that go-to guy. So yeah. I do agree with you in the standpoint that I think that that could lead to some burnout maybe, and that will dip his activity later on. Mm-hmm. But I do like the fact that early on, he might be ahead of the curve. And that actually kind of speaks to most returning players for, across the country where they're going to be ahead of the curve compared to the freshmen that are coming in that aren't going to be privy to those off-season programs earlier on that classes before them had. So from that standpoint, I, I do expect him to be our leading scorer next year, and I do expect it to be mm-hmm. around that 17-point game clip because mm-hmm. I think that he's going to get the opportunities. I right. think that he's going to be more mature next year. I think that he's going to be more confident next year. And I can't see Kay going a direction like he had the opportunity this year to go different directions, to put different lineups out there. I think Matthew is going to get all the ministry he can handle next year because he's going to own whatever position that is, whether it's four or five, because they're going to need his spacing on the floor at all times. But before we go too far into uh, this topic without bringing up the other guy that's returning, <laughs> Wendell Moore, that's a big return for Duke as well. And we talked a lot about what Matthew Hurt needs to do, build strength, uh, toughness. What does Wendell Moore need to do to bring his game up another level and be that leader? He could be a captain next year. Right. What does he need to bring to this team next year for us to be at our best? There's three things that I want to see him improve because it's, it's funny to say improve for Wendell because these were things that we're supposed to be strengths for him. I don't I don't need to see him popping threes yet. Like if if he's gonna go pro after the season, that's fine. But if he's gonna be a dude for a couple more years, he can work on that. But I, I don't need to see the popping of threes yet with Wendell. I need to see him improve his ball handling because turnovers were an issue for him last season. I, I want to see him be more consistent on defense because that was one of the things he was touted for. Was he's such a, a locked in and focused defender, and and we saw there were plenty of cases of that where that was not the case. And I want to see him be a better finisher because that's another thing, the way he drives angles and the way he attacks angles and things. And for him not to be able to finish with as strong as he is, was a little disconcerting to see last season. I mean, he averaged seven points a game and he could have easily, easily averaged 12 or 13 just by either making more layups or getting to the free throw line. And that was just non-existent for him. So that that's that's the area I want to see because he's a versatile player. He does a, he's a Swiss Army knife type of player. He does a lot of things on the court for you. So if you're going to do that, you, those those areas have to improve. You have to play defensively, and you got to be locked in, especially if you're going to be as we talked about, possibly a team captain. You have to be able to finish the ball when you get to the basket, and if he is going to handle the ball at times, he's got to be able to do it and. And we have to feel that he's going to make good decisions. Like that's that's just a part of the game. So that's that's the jump that I want to see him make this season with a year under his belt. The game's going to be slowed down for him a little bit more. That that cliche saying of slowing the game down. It's I mean it's really true though. You're able to process more for him especially. Yeah. So I, I would like to see that. I would like to see him be able to process the game a little better. Yeah, and again, he he shot 21 percent from three. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not asking him to become Luke Kennard. Nope. Uh, on Trajan Linden or J.J. Redick over here. But I do think that he needs to take a similar jump that Trey Jones did in terms mm-hmm. of his three-point percentage just so that he can keep defenses honest, number one. Right. And I think one of the strengths of this team next year is going to be attacking the basket. Yeah. And yeah. if they can sag off of him, that's not going to help you know, Roach, Jalen Johnson, and those folks. So I do think he has to improve on that. But I completely agree with you. Everybody talks about the shooting that has to improve, but I do think his ball handling and decision-making has to improve. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I was banging my head on the, on the, on the coffee table when he was blowing, you know, wide open laps. You know, not to the yeah. Jordan Goldwater extent, but finishing things <laughs> he should be able to make. You know what I mean? Right, so right, those exactly. are things he has to clean up. And, and that's another thing that Trey Jones improved on dramatically from year one to year two. Everybody talks about Trey's shooting. But he was mm-hmm. a better finisher this year. So Absolutely. he definitely has to improve that. Absolutely. And and finishing was a thing that Trey, again, coming out of high school, and then we, we always we hear these scouting reports and we hear that this is a strength of theirs. And it, it all and it doesn't always translate to the to the game to the next level. 
year one. So, you know, got to get that thought out of our head that automatically the thing that they say they do well in high school, they're going to just do great again in college. So like, yeah, there's obviously a learning curve. And that was one of the things that Trey supposedly did well was finished well in high school. And then obviously we saw freshman year, he needed strength to be able to learn to do that. And he learned how to finish better between his freshman and sophomore year. So I, I don't, I can't imagine that Wendell is not going to get a little better in that regard. You have to think, and I do love his, uh, his confidence. I love his leadership ability because you can, mm-hmm. you can see it. It's, it's tangible. Yep. Um, so hopefully that, that, that translates to next year. And speaking of next year, now let's talk about Duke. The wholesale picture here. You know, we mm-hmm. lost seven of our top 11 guys, including uh, Justin Robinson and that. Mm-hmm. We, you know, that's nothing new for Duke. But the good news is, like we talked about, is we do have some, some returning guys. We talked about Hurt and more. We're also getting back a senior, Jordan Goldwire, and a now junior, Joey Baker. Yep. So let's talk about Duke wholesale now mm-hmm. where do you see this team overall you know just in the big picture of things and then we'll talk about you know kind of the the projected early starting lineups if you will to what do you expect toward the middle of the season toward the end but let's start with you know preseason rankings i guess you would call it everything's not set in stone yet there's still going to be guys that are you know potentially leaving uh, from other teams maybe the g week who knows but mm-hmm. Where do you see Duke right now? You know, do you see him in that top ten range? Uh, man, early on, yes, because you know we got a highly touted recruiting class again, and that's just the way it goes. And you have a team like Kentucky who returns one rotation player from last season, and then brings in again, you know, kind of a highly touted class, but not lack lackluster compared to the classes they've brought in the past, and college basketball should be a little better this year with with some of the guys who came in and some of the guys who are going to end up staying but we we should be in the top 10 to start or be to begin the season but as as the season wears on I can see us slipping just like this season I can see us slipping into you know the the mid top 25 range and then working our way back up it, it's a young team it's a team that's going to have to learn how to play with each other on the fly it's a team that is not going to have an identity early, but I think they'll be able to to create one later in the season. They they have the ability to attack the basket, like you mentioned earlier. We have shooters now, which is excellent. Like it's, it, this team needed them, and we have them. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pieces on this team that that make it a solid squad. And the one thing I think this team's going to do very well is move the ball well because you have exceptional passers in Jalen Johnson and Jeremy Roach. Jordan Goldwire, I wouldn't call him exceptional, but he's he's obviously a college point guard who's been through it and he knows he knows where to put the ball when he needs to put it. You have guys who are capable of putting the ball in the basket and Matt Hurt, Jalen Johnson, you know, Jeremy Roach when he has to, DJ Stewart is a really, really good scorer and kind of in the vein of of Nolan Smith eventually. We'll see how long he sticks around. I don't know if he's going to do Nolan Smith things in year one, but he's he's definitely in that same type of mold. And we, So we have guys, and Joey Baker, of course. like he's, he's a guy that I'd love to see around double digits because if he's around double digits, that's mean, that means he's hitting two to three threes a game, which you know doesn't sound like a lot, but that's really huge. That's, that's big. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, so – that's that's important, and we have it, and we have the capability there. We're we're gonna suffer on the rebounding end some, but you know what? What do we do on defense? This team is defense is a big identity for Duke, and what are we gonna do on defense? Like Matt Hurt's gonna have to start, and I don't know that he needs to start at the five. Like I don't know that that's his starting spot because the five isn't great for him. But I also don't know that he needs to be guarding anyone on the perimeter. So. It's <laughs> right. it's going to be interesting to see what identity K comes up with for this team. Like he he knows who he has now. He has an entire summer to sit at home and quarantine and think about what to do with this team. So there's going to be a lot of tinkering involved here. Yeah, I, I I'm scratching my head to try to figure out what kind of team defensively we we're going to be. You know, does he start the season off with? You know, high pressure at the point of attack with with Roach and and Goldwire, much like mm-hmm. he did with Trey and uh, and Goldwire this year. 
uh, knowing full well that behind him, they they don't have that that shot blocker. You know, they don't have right. that. Even even Vernon Carey showed the propensity to be able to block shots when he needed mm-hmm. to. Um, that kind of hit, hit some deficiencies. Or does he say, you know what, we're just going to be a zone team and mm-hmm. take our chances that way with our length? So right. I, I really don't know, um, you know, because obviously Wendell has length. Jeremy Roach, I think is is it fair? I mean, this is on a tangent here. Is it fair to call Jeremy Roach an underrated athlete? I think so because I think people are looking at the ACL people, injury people are and comparing him to Trey Jones, and I don't think that's fair at all. No, I mean, he's, he's much more athletic than Trey. No, yeah. not at all. They're they're not. I think people want him to be Trey because now we've had right a, a two year point guard and you know finally an upperclassman point guard and a sophomore is an upperclassman for God's sakes, but a two a two year point guard and you know everybody you know we're so happy about that, but that's not Jeremy Roach. That's not him at all. Yeah, he he's a he's a very good passer, much like Trey was, but that's kind of where the comparison stopped. Is he's, is he a better is he a better shooting Trey Duvall? That might be a that might not be a bad comparison actually. That's thank you. That's not bad. I think that's in the right that's in the right realm. I, I think that's because because he's he's going to operate in the isolation some. He he has he's a great ball handler and he's so quick. His first step is just so fast, and he's going to be able to to put a lot of guys on skates off that first step. And then yeah. what he does after that is going to be key because his finishing ability is not yet refined and that's one thing that i want to see him really improve with and then is he going to be able to keep players honest with his jump shot that's not something he's truly truly known for and his jump shot has improved since he's been at paul to six but it's not something he's really known for so is it going to be enough to keep players honest i don't know but by all intents and purposes he's going to be able to to run the point off of he and Jalen Johnson, like both of them are going to have the ball in their hands at times and be on the floor at the same time. So, you know, what's he going to be able to do with it? You know, you mentioned uh, Jalen Johnson, not the, and the same with Roach. They're not your prototypical go-to scorers. You know, when mm-hmm. we had Tatum, um, you know, we knew that we could give him the ball and he would create for himself and get a basket. Same with yep. RJ, same with Zion, um, Luke, Grayson, all those guys could create for themselves and get their own shot. Right. We don't really have that next year, crap. Not really. Uh, Matt, even even Matt, in his in his regard, Matt, he needs Matt he needs somebody to set him yeah. up. Like right. he needs somebody to set him up. Jalen, here's what Jalen does. So those the guys you mentioned, they were so good about being able to get their own shot. Like we saw it in CTC in 2016 with Jason Tatum, how yeah. he was just able to get any shot he wanted. It was it was it was incredible to watch. But you know, with with Jalen. That same ability that some guys, because some guys are wired to score and some aren't. The the same ability that makes Jason Tatum such a good scorer, the way he uses his body, the way he handled the ball, the way he used angles. Jalen Johnson has those exact same traits, but he doesn't necessarily use them to score. He uses them to set guys up. So he knows he's he's so precise with how he knows how to drive and then be able to kick to someone else and, and create an opening because he's he's gotten so far into the lane or he's driven off angle towards a baseline and cut somebody off where their man has to rotate around him to be able to set up a guy on three. Like he's so good at those types of things. And we have players that are going to be able to, to excel off of that type of play. Joey Baker, Matthew Hurt, you know, DJ Stewart, those guys are going to be able to get the shots that they really like because of Jalen Johnson. Yeah. And for, for this team specifically, I think it's going to be, it has to be that quintessential team, that motion offense that Kay likes mm-hmm. to run. Because I don't mm-hmm. think that there there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a lot of slashing, but yeah. we need those floor spacers to be able to um, allow them to to get to the rim. Because I think guys like Stewart are gonna be a focal point yep. of the other team's defense because they know that he's gonna be that one guy that you can count on that can definitely knock down those shots. Right. So right. I can see, I can see, I can see Stewart and Baker for that instance, uh, for that matter. Being those guys where if they're on the court together, much like we wanted this year to have like Alex and Baker on the same mm-hmm. uh, on the court at the same time, could those two be on the court at the same time and kind of create that you know offensive death lineup for 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 Duke? Why couldn't they? And like the thing is, like I we were clamoring for Matt, Alex, and Joy to play together, and yeah. and and we weren't wrong. And 
there were times that Alex looked good, but you look at some of Alex's splits for the season and where, you know, where, where's that three point shooter that he was, where's that score that Alex was supposed to be. He was kind of non-existent. So to, to live up to Alex, there's not a lot of, you know, not a lot of pressure on DJ Stewart to be able to do that. I, I absolutely think he can, he can take over Alex O'Connell's role very easily. And, well, I, and, I, and I think that. he'll do more. That's the thing. Yeah. I think he'll do more and be more efficient with it because Alex is one of those guys that needed to be on the floor for 25 minutes to produce. Whereas DJ Stewart, he's one of those guys that can get his shots within a couple of minutes. He's he's so fast with how he racks up points. So that's big time. And to pair him with Matt and Joey, which who he's he's going to be paired with those two because those guys are going to demand time on the floor. It's it's exactly what we wanted with that that kind of triumvirate of Alex and Joey and Matt. Like quick scoring, easy opportunities, and you pair those guys with two ball handlers like Jalen Johnson and Jeremy Roach. That's yeah. that's big time, man. That's or, big time. Or, or and, even Wendell Moore. Yeah, and even Wendell Moore. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, just add put Wendell in instead of one of those other guys. And it's there there's a lot of room, like you said, for the motion offense with this team and and the spread offense with this team, which that's that's going to be big because not a lot of teams are going to be able to handle that. Yeah, they might create some mismatches on defensive side for us, but I think Case can K can scheme against that. But for offensively, if they are if they are grooving and jiving, I it it could be special. It absolutely could be special. So you know, you mentioned the fact that we wanted that we were clamoring for it this year with Alex, Joey, and Matt. The beauty mm-hmm. of this is DJ Stewart's going to be a better player than Alex was. I mean, that's just no doubt about that. Both sides of the and floor. Then we're gonna, and we're, and we're going to get an older Joey, a more yep. experienced Joey, and the same with Matt. Yep, so you have to think that this is going to be what we wanted this year, but a level up. Yep. So from that standpoint, that gets me excited, and I hope it gets everybody else excited. Mm-hmm. One and, thing and, we haven't talked about. Yeah, I was just about to say it. I think I was just about to say it. About. <laughs> our, our front court. So, yeah. Henry Coleman, Jeremy Brayfield, mm-hmm. uh, we already talked about Matthew Hurt, and your boy, Mark Williams, <laughs> and your Mark real Williams. boy, <laughs> how, how do you pronounce it? Tape? Tape. Talk, talk to me about your boy Tape. Tape's in, Tape's out, Tape's in, Tape's yeah. out, now he's back in. Like, what's going on here? So I, I, I assume at this point he's all the way in because he, he was out and then awesome. he was in. So. so. <laughs> So we we got the top pay. So now, what do we do with those guys? Wh- what are they going to be able to do? Footwork wise, athleticism wise, top pay is not. He he's not a world beater, man. He's not a guy that he's he's not that take takeover type of guy where he's just so athletic that you can't do anything with him. Again, two years ago in the Ivy League. For someone so big and so strong, he only averaged eleven points and four rebounds. Like, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what to make of that. I really don't. I don't know if that's a system problem or if that's a top pay problem. You know, then we bring in Mark Williams, who again I've constantly compared him to Casey Sanders, and I'm not going to back off of that comparison. I don't know that he's going to come in from day one and give us exactly what it is that we want. He is extremely athletic, extremely fast just like Casey and his hands are better than Casey. That's the other good thing about it. And this team is going to be a team, right? It can't be worse. And this is going to be a team that's going to get up and down the floor. That's something that at IMG, Mark Williams really thrived when. And, but when you had a team that played IMG, that slowed them down, Mark Williams looked very normal. So that that's going to happen this season. There are going to be teams that coaches are too smart and, and the teams are too good to just let somebody like Mark Williams just run loose. So where does he fit in? Jamin Brigfield, he's the guy in the front court out of all of the incoming newcomers that I feel could carve out a better niche than the other guys because of his his potential at the shooting ability. But he's not like a true defender down low. He's not a true rebounder down low. He's, you know, he's he's very athletic. He needs to work on his footwork some, his lateral quickness some, but up and down the floor, he's quick and he's good. He and he fits in. He fits in with Jalen, and those those guys are excited to play with each other. It it just it. What kind of time is he going to see on the floor? Like he he has down the road potential, but it's you know is he going to be patient enough to stick through and and take the steps to work on his game? And then Henry Coleman, I haven't even talked about him. He might be 
the other guy outside of Jamin that earns more time from the newcomers because of his ability to run the floor. And he's, he's such a good rebounder, man. He's, he's a hound on the boards. He's undersized, but it doesn't matter with him being six, eight, he's stronger than most players are going to encounter in college already. And he's, he hunts rebounds. So he's so smart about how he hunts rebounds. It reminds me of a lot, a lot of what Emil Jefferson was able to do with his rebounding ability. He doesn't have the length of Emil, but he's stronger he jumps higher and he's faster. So, so you know, he, so AC, he can make I'm up for that. Stop, AC, I'm going to stop you right there because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm fighting my tongue on this. I've been fighting my tongue for a while. Lance Thomas, Emile Jefferson, mm-hmm. in the middle there, Josh Harrison, right before that. <laughs> Your guy, man. Javin Delarier. Mm-hmm. It's Henry Coleman, that next in that lineage. He is, and... As you mentioned, are, are, are we getting Emil Jefferson? Right. Or are we right. getting Jamal like, Exactly. Or it's like, as as you as you read them off, it's like, all right, good egg, bad egg, good egg, bad egg. And even Lance right. and Emil had their their moments where they weren't. It was like, God, this we wasted a scholarship you, on this guy. You, you like, saw, you know what right, I mean? Like, you saw the progression of both, exactly. And Lance drove me nuts, but you at least saw the progression of him. Right. Um. Even even though it was, it was a very slow. Uh, mm-hmm. It was more of like a hill rather than a steep climb. Emil right. kind of took a little bit of a jump every year, and you saw yeah. his confidence. You did, and, and you could see his ability between, too. That was, like, big, you that could... was a big difference between him yeah. and guys like Javin. And, and I'm not picking on Javin, but like sure. Javin, never you never saw that confidence. You saw some right. of that faith confidence on the court, but you never saw like that real confident. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. take you to you, like Emil did. And that's why even even Emil's senior season when he went down. In December, that was a big blow to that team because I think with Emil that whole year, we could have done big things. We could have we could have progressed past what we did. That's for sure. Sure, yeah. But yeah, no, absolutely, no. I'm totally with you. And and even Javin, like you mentioned, Javin, even Javin occasionally showed glimpses of what he was at Duke to do: rebound, hustle plays, that type of thing. And that's that's what Henry is going to be asked to do. He's going to be asked to, to fill that same role. He's not a shooter, not a scorer not somebody you throw it to in the post. And quite frankly, this team doesn't need a guy taking up space in the lane. So, he, you know, he he's going to find his time slowly, but he is going to find some time to, to play on the floor. And I think we'll see glimpses of what it is that he can give eventually. I just don't think this season is the season that, you know, Henry Coleman has has his year and it shouldn't be like his freshman year. Good. OK, yeah. let's let him progress. Like, absolutely. Let this guy take his time and progress. We don't need to heap the what I've seen on Twitter and online, the expectations that one of these four guys has to be the starting center for Duke. Like, no, oh, right. like that's not going to be this team. We don't. I'm, I promise you guys right now listening. We do not want someone chained to the post, clogging the lane up. Like um, I love Vernon Carey. I'm glad he's gone. Quite honestly, because he, he would not he would not work with this team. I, I, I mean, he wouldn't. He really wouldn't okay. work with, well with okay. this team. He'd get his points. Shoot. He wouldn't work well with this team for what they need to do. What they're going to be able to do in terms of switching, creating mismatches on the outside, and and driving the basket. And that's what this team is going to be based on. Okay, so let's wrap this one up. Day one. Who is the starting five for Duke? Just day one. Day one. It's got to be, man. Man. Oh, man. A, a starting five of Jeremy Roach, Jordan Goldwire, Wendell Moore, Matt Hurt, Jalen Johnson. That's the five that, I'd like to see. Yeah, I think that that's what's going to happen. That That's mm-hmm. what I have written down. I think yep. that's what's going to happen. I, I know that the people that are listening, they're going to, what are you talking about, Matthew? You can't play the five. Right. Relax. Everybody, calm down. Have who are you going to replace out of that five? You're gonna, you're gonna start. You're really gonna start Mark Williams day Seriously, one, right? Who, who, who are you gonna take out? You're not gonna take out Wendell Moore, obviously. I mean, the only person you could take out there is is Goldwire, but I think to start the year, he's gonna start. He has to. Um, he has but, to. You know, especially defensively, I think you have to have him there. Um, yep. So now you know, that's again, also it, our most limited offensive lineup as well. Let's like let's kind of put that out there too. 
other than throwing Mark Williams in as a as a starter. It is. It is if uh, if Rondell does not show uh, drastic improvement. Right. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, and I I don't think that that's going to be the lineup that. You'll see in the middle of the year, maybe even no, five no. games in. Because you're you're gonna see Joey start at some point. You'll you'll see, you'll see DJ Stewart DJ start a lot. Yep, DJ Stewart's and gonna earn thing, some time and starting season, points. Even this season, though, we saw how many different th- starting lineups did we see? Twelve, thirteen, something like twelve or thirteen. So it'll be the same thing. All right, so we've took took a lot of time to talk about talk about Matthew Hurt, Lundell Moore. Took a lot of time to talk about Duke next year. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about down the road here. Let's talk about yeah. 2021 recruiting. Because oh, we have a man. lot of guys in 2021 that were. Oh, uh, you hit my wheelhouse. Yeah. So this is your, this is your, this is your, your segment. I'm just going to clear it up for you. We got Kaminga, Bolden, yeah. Bancaro, AJ Griffin, who's already with us, Kennedy Chandler, Christie, Keels, Betty Oppo. Oh, Keep going, God. AC. Take the reins. What do we have? Uh, we have Griffin already in. Yep. Who do you think we, we, we are targeting? I love Keels. He plays with Roach uh, at yep. the six. But who are we going to get? He might be a lean to Virginia. So walk us through recruiting. I'm just going to give you the reins. Take <laughs> this segment. Dude, number one, I I cannot talk enough about how how much I love the 2021 class. It is... Since since recruiting has become the big internet sensation that's become, and I, I you know I, I'm not gonna go back and try to speak for the the 80s and 90s, but from from what I've seen in the 2000s when I've really kept up with it, this has to be the best class I've seen in in that 20 year span. It has to be. They there are so many bona fide stars in this class at the high school, not just the high school rank, but potentially in college, potentially in the pros. Like you, Chet Holmgren, like that's somebody we're not gonna get. Like we're not gonna get Chet Holmgren. It's one of those things. That dude is amazing, and for him to be seven foot and like 190 pounds, like, and for him to do the things he does on the floor, it's it's exceptional. Jabari Smith, that's somebody I'd love to see us go after more. He's a he's a versatile versatile power forward who who just boards down low like a monster, gets his points all over the floor. He's so good at basketball, man. He's just so good. Like Michael Foster is another guy I'd love to see us go after power forward. You know, just big 6'10 body, just throwing his weight around. Like he's he's so good. But the guys that, you know, the known commodities right now, unless some a new name pops up, which is going to be hard to do with no visitations, no summer league basketball, the known the known commodities at this point. You know, Jonathan Kaminga. I don't think we get him. That's somebody that's, I don't I don't know that we get him. And it's a shame because that guy is so good too. But my God, he's he's an exceptional player. We got AJ Griffin, who to me is the number two player in the class. He's listed number six right now. Most services five, six, seven in that range. He's the number two player in the class. The guy, he he does everything on the court you need him to do. And we're not even talking about the fact that he's a forty percent three point shooter at every stage: USA basketball, high school basketball summer league basketball like there's some you know cam reddish not to not to jump on cam i love cam to death he's known as a three-point shooter big time three-point shooter but you look at his like eybl stats he shot like 31 percent from three his high school stats he was in like the 35 percent range so where that was coming from i don't know but then no one talks about aj griffin being a good three-point shooter and the guy shoots 40 percent plus at every level usa basketball at the extended line high school eybl all those things great three-point shooter Pat Baldwin, oh my God, dude! If he if he stayed around for four years, we would we would be discussing him like he was Shane Battier. He does those things on the court, everything, defense, three point shooting ability. His his basketball intelligence is so high, like sky high. One of the smartest players we've seen to come through basketball in years, like college basketball from the high school ranks. And and then we go to Kennedy Chandler, a point guard that we need. He's he's skyrocketing up the boards right now because of what he does on the floor. He's six foot tall, but he's he's one of those powerhouses. He's like Kyle Lowry, man. He just he doesn't let his size stop him from doing what he wants to do. You mentioned Trevor Keels, one of my favorite players in this class. He uses his big body like a bully, man. He's he's an on the court bully, very much like uh, like Taylor Horton Tucker that we saw at Iowa State a few years ago. Um, Chase Bahannon in the early 2000s that you know Duke went after him. He ended up going to Louisville. 
uh, you know, just guys in that regard where they know how to use their body well. He he's a bully. He's got that bully mentality. We haven't had a guy at Duke like that, and I'd love to see one come to Duke and and play under K just just once because I think it would be pretty special. There's some other names kind of farther down the list, but you know, no less important. Max Christie. Max Christie is a big time player. He's gonna he's gonna announce soon. And I have a feeling that Duke is going to be is going to be it for him because he's been he's been high on Duke for a while now and and vice versa. You got Hunter Silas out of Nebraska. That's going to be a big pull if we can pull him from the Midwest. And he's Duke is his dream school. Everybody says it. Duke's his dream school. But he, he's he's a, a long guard, athletic, active. And he you know, he's one of those guys that projects two or three years down the road being really, really good. Same with Harrison Ingram, six seven small forward that does a lot of things on the course, especially shoot the three well. Uh, I want to see us kind of go after him more because I think UNC is on him a little bit, and I don't want to see him at UNC. But dude, this this class in general, man, Paolo Banchero. I didn't mention Paolo, like a, a, a small forward that just does everything on the court. Again, he's great rebounder, great shooter, attacks the basket. Also has that bully mentality that you love really reminds me a little bit of Michael Beasley. He won't score like he does in college, I don't think, but he, you know, he won't be far off. Like he's dude, seriously, this class is sick. Truly, truly sick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, hit the breath, (laughs) hit hit the ship of that, uh, that, that bourbon scotch that you got going. And uh, while you're doing that, I want you to answer this question. I'm not going to put you on the spot saying, Hey, who's going to pick Duke? Because everybody Mm -hmm. wants to know that, but, it's still way too early, but I do want to touch on Max Christie because you did bring up him. Potentially mm-hmm. uh, announced soon. I did see that as well. I also mm-hmm. saw the same thing with Peels, but then somebody brought that back. Yeah. So talk about both of those guys. Let's we'll start with Christie. You said that he might announce soon, and you think it may be Duke. Tell us why you feel like that could still be the case, and why announce now if you're him. With Max, it's it's simple. It's it's play style. It's the the staff has been on him for a long time. His he has he has a, at least a, a college basketball background in terms of his parents. Um, you know, a lot a lot of pro players send their kids to Duke because they know what Coach K does and they know about branding and system and all that stuff. So that's why you'll see a lot of pro guys send their kids to Duke. But I, I think his parents are in that same vein. Again, Duke was on him super early when a lot of people were not outside of like Illinois and Northwestern his you know his mom went to Northwestern play basketball there so you know you you have getting out of that 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 midwest swing there duke is like the only school outside of the midwest that is really on his list and he's not going to take visits he's already announced that he's already visited duke He's, you know, he's not going to, he's not taking any, he can't take any in-home visits or anything like that. So it, and, and he wants to go ahead and commit to me. That sounds very much like it's Duke's way. And oh, by the way, did I mention that John Shire is his lead recruiter? Fair enough. Who, if it's not Duke, who would it be? Uh, Illinois or Northwestern. Okay. Those, those are the other two. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't see why that would be. Um, I, other than family history, I don't see why that would be the choice for him. For sure. Uh, and, and we love Chris Collins, but we'd rather have him here. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with that being said, there's a holistic look at the 2021 recruiting class. We could probably spend an entire podcast on that. But yeah. the beauty of this is hopefully down the road here, very shortly, we have an EPC, emergency mm-hmm. podcast, mm-hmm. where we can announce that Christie is coming to. Yes, sir. But I, I do want to talk about a couple of guys. And we're going to shift into our next segment here. Next play. Because we did, we just saw a couple of the top guys in this current class, mm-hmm. Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, and a couple mm-hmm. others, opt to go the G League route. You yep. see a couple of the Duke targets, whether it's Kaminga for sure, uh, maybe it's Banchero, whoever it might be. Do they potentially kind of follow that path? Because it's not your normal G League anymore. Right. They're talking about creating a new new team mm-hmm. potentially in southern california paying these guys 500k for the season plus the endorsements yep. plus which i found the most interesting you have a full ride if you want to go back and finish your degree wherever you want to yep. go think about that that is 
one of the selling points that all these schools have been doing for the last few years, where these kids can, you know, go pro and still have a free ride whenever they decide to come back. William Avery being the latest guy. Mm-hmm. So, is this going to be something that the NCAA has to be like, all right, we got to get our act together now with the NIL and take care of this now, otherwise we're gonna we're gonna be screwed here. Or is it what Gary Parrish said on CBS? I, I just read his article this morning, where he talked about this has been going on forever. You know, Kevin Durant. Uh, you know, it was great to see him in college, but guys like Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, they didn't go to college, and college basketball was fine. Mm-hmm. Gary, that thinking, it, it, it drove me nuts, and I wish I could have yeah. replied, but they don't do replies on CBS. So <laughs> right. I wish I could have gone back to him and be like, this is the exact attitude the NCAA has had for the last 50 years. Head exactly. in the sand, oh, we're just fine. You're not yep. fine because guess what? You're not fine. There's now more options than ever. Yep. Not even with Kevin Garnett, LeBron, Cody, all those guys, they didn't have these options. Exactly. They didn't have the options that they have now. They have the G League, they have the Australian League. And by yep. the way, the G League's not doing this against the NCAA. They're doing this against the Australian League. Mm-hmm. They don't want to compete with, you know, RJ Hampton and uh, Lamelo Ball going to Australia. They right. want them in the United States playing. Exactly. That's why they're doing this. Right. And I'm right. getting this... fired up right now. But, <laughs> you know, AC, is this going to be something that, you know, potentially destroys college basketball? At least waters it down. Not yet. Not yet. Not, again, like you said, they're, they're going to capture some guys that are already sure. going to go. What, what this does is it shots fired at the NCAA. Like the, the NBA is more thing? willing. Right. The NBA is more willing to give guys scholarship opportunities to college than the NCAA is. Let that sink in for a second. Um, they're also more willing to adopt free enterprise, which our nation is built on, more so than the NCAA is. Let that sink in for a second. It's it's absolutely shot shots fired. Adam Silver, and really, I don't think it's Adam Silver trying to take away from the NCAA. I think it's him trying either. to force their hand. I think he's he knows what the product can be, and he also he does know that he needs the NCAA. The the NBA's minor league is not the G League; it's the NCAA. Truly, right. like that is that right. is the NBA's minor league, and we saw how bad basketball was in general in the two thousands. NBA and NCAA. Obviously, you had a couple teams like the Spurs and Lakers and Celtics in the two thousands and Pistons, really really good teams. But the drop off after that was significant. And and then you look at the NCAA again, it was very much like the 70s where you had a couple of really good teams. You know, unfortunately, UNC was one of them, you know, Duke in the early part, Maryland at times. And then those teams, again, a lot of those teams would drop off dramatically. Like no one was it was no one was recession proof in, in the NCAA in the 2000s because so many guys that shouldn't have gone pro were leaving to go pro. And. So Paris can say, yeah, LeBron didn't go didn't go to NCAA, didn't hurt the NCAA game. False, because if LeBron played in, in college basketball, it would be the same hype that Zion got, and you saw what that did for college basketball, and and so on and so forth. And some of these other guys who left early, who damn well should have stayed in college for a year or two, yeah. they left and flamed, flamed the hell out. And it's like, no, no, like, no. We, Jonathan need- Bender? Exactly. Like you need those guys in the college ranks for a second. They don't belong in the pros. They do belong at college and it's okay. Like it's okay. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. It's okay. Here's what I see the G League doing. And it's interesting to see this model. Eventually they're going to start adopting in the G League midseason tournaments, kind of like you see overseas in soccer where they have, you know, the, the, the English, English Premier League has the Carabao Cup, things like that, where they have these really interesting little midseason tournaments that go on, you're going to see the G League do that. You're going to see them go to almost an NCAA tournament-style tournament towards the end of the season. And these are things that Silver is looking at and saying, hey, is this something we can adopt in the NBA? Because they've already talked about it. They've already talked about some midseason tournaments in the NBA. Like tournament, that. Yeah. Yep. So he wants to see how it works in the G League. Those things, if those things are successful and they can get major market and major money TV contracts for those type of events with the G League, 
that is where I could see that hurting the NCAA a little bit because it's taken eyeballs and viewership away. And now you see that happening and these kids are like, well, this is my future, man. If, if these guys are getting paid and getting this type of branding, you can't say anymore that, oh, well, you don't get the same type of branding you get in college that you do in like the G league. Cause right now, no, the, 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 the Akron, what's, what's, what's the, the Cavs. I don't even know the, the DC go, go, let's stay home. Like, right. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. But you're, but you're gonna know in about a couple of years if, if this exactly. stuff continues to play out. Exactly. If if they get these contracts, and, if they and, get and these guys wait, you've been following. Just wait, just wait until they get that TV endorsement. Whether it's Absolutely. ESPN, I, I doubt that they would do it. But FS1 needs something, right? So they would right. do it. Yep. Um, and FS FS1 to me is I'm, I'm not plugging FS1. I'm getting paid by them, but I should be. <laughs> um, FS1 is very similar to the NBA in a mm-hmm. way that they both will do anything. They're yep. willing to try anything and see if something works. Because yep. FS1, they played the three on the big three, the three on three yep. league, ice cube league. They tried that out. They're, they're willing mm-hmm. to try anything out because they're kind of that new kid on the block. And Absolutely. they built themselves up to a point where it actually is a competition between them and ESPN. Now, ESPN sure, is sure. a big dog, but FS1 but is, Fox is willing. Anymore. Right. right. And, and you see Fox. That, that kind of money. Fox is taking on the WWE. Like, you know, ESPN had the opportunity to do that and they failed. Right. Like, so, you know I mean? So Fox, were, Fox is, like you said, they're absolutely willing to take that and you're going to see them. I think you're going to see Fox. But the NBA, in, to my point was the NBA does the same thing where the NBA mm-hmm. is fine with trying a bunch of different things. I don't know if something works yep. great. If not, okay, we scrap it. The NBA absolutely. is kind of progressive in that point where they will try a lot of different things. They 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 gave the guys a week off for, for the All-Star break. They, they, they mm-hmm. built in all these different things that are player-friendly. Now we're talking about the G League. And one thing that I really wanted to point out, because um, we brought up Zion, and, you know, I think Duke's going to be somewhat safe in this, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what, because we have that branding behind us. But yep. to be fair, down the road, one thing that happened with Zion is that, you know, Zion coming out of high school, people don't realize that he was not the number one kid. He was not the number two, number nope. three, number four. Nope. Really, he was five to seven. Mm-hmm. In both mock drafts and in the high school rankings. When yep. he came out of the McDonald's All-American game, they were talking about National Little crossing him up, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. Zion, you know, got hurt, whatever. So, like, he wasn't even coming into Duke, that guy. Mm-hmm. The brand behind – everybody talks about how much Zion helped Duke, but Duke elevated Zion to an extreme amount. But what I, wanted to talk about, what I wanted to talk about is endorsements. Now these guys can come in and get endorsements. So yep. you're going to say, well, why would Nike give a guy like you know Jalen Green, who is not going to be featured on TV for an entire year, because they want to get in there early. And if, mm-hmm. if Nike doesn't Just do it, case. they know they know that Puma's going to do it. They yep. know that you know whatever the other drinks, you know, other than Gatorade, <laughs> the one that Zion's drinking now, mm-hmm. people are going to give them the money because they need to get in there early. It's yep. no different than. When a, a freshman in high school who's a, a, a major prospect gets these ridiculous offers early from colleges, they know they have no chance. They need they need to offer them early. They have no other chance other yep. than to offer them when they're in eighth grade or freshman year Absolutely. of high school. So that's what's going to happen here in the G League. So we have mm-hmm. to look at that as a legit competition. And while I don't think that Duke immediately will get hurt, and, and all we care about is Duke at this point. Mm-hmm. The overall state of college basketball will be hurt, mm-hmm. and yeah. unless the NCAA does something to uh, allow these guys to make money off their name, image, and likeness, and I'll, I'll throw this other, I'll throw this other thing out, AC, real quick. I read a report earlier uh, at the end of last week that they named the top five college athletes and what they would have mm-hmm. earned in NIL. Yeah, and Cassius Stanley was the only, or maybe the one of the only two basketball players on there. They had a, a female gymnast who um, I believe was at UCLA. She Caitlin Ohashi, yeah. But, yeah, and she would have gone there like 650000 Yep. Cassius Stanley was on there. He wasn't even Duke's best player, but because mm-hmm. of his highlight reel dunks, yep. because of the excitement that he brought, the yep. highlights that ESPN showed over and over and over again, all the social media stuff that he got, all mm-hmm. the times that Duke promoted him, he would have been well, well over 500k. Yeah. Guess what? Yep. Jalen Green is getting 500k on the dot from the from the G League, and that's before any endorsements that he might get. Exactly. It's a real thing. 
It is. And we're not even just talking endorsements. We're talking social media. Like, you can't... ESPN can't keep commenting on how Zion has millions of followers and millions of views, and he can't get paid for it. Like, come on, man. Like, that's it. That's all the NCAA has to do. They're trying, they're trying to make this thing more... Com- how, how can... How can you say Northern Illinois pays their players the same amount as Duke? Like, that's not the question here. Don't ask that question. That, that, that shit, that's so archaic. Right. Don't ask that question. Just let the guy make money off of his goddamn social media account. He's on Twitter. He's doing his own work. Let him do his goddamn job. That's his job. He's going to college not to learn U.S. history. Z- who, what, was, what was Zion's GPA? Does anybody know? Hell no. Uh, four, four, four I, I, right. I guarantee you 700,000 people in the United States can can list off Zion's stats, point scoring and rebounding. I guarantee you that. So come on, man. Like, stop playing. Like, stop it. Just stop it. They are going to college to become basketball players. Football players are going to college to become football players professionally. It's bullshit that they cannot take even their own likeness and make money off of it for their family for their goddamn family yeah this that, kid's getting a scholarship family talked about leaving. right right like th- this kid's getting a scholarship congratulations to him great okay and everybody says it oh well he's he's getting a scholarship from a prestigious well, university. that scholarship's worth 300 give me a break it right only because if the cash is going into your bank account That's exactly it's not cash that you didn't spend because you're not going to go to duke anyway if you can't afford it it's not cash you're not going to spend. It's cash that you oh, earn. AC, you don't know the, the value of it. Give me a break. The give value me a, of it. We, we give had, me a had goddamn had, we had break. Podcast and we talked about this, and we got right. fired up. The point has been made. Yes. So we got to move on. Yep. The point has been made. Uh, I want to wrap this up on um, one other thing. Um, the transfer portal. Because yep. that obviously yep. affects every team in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Give me your I, thoughts I on love the transfer it. portal, period. I love it. I, have, I, love I, 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 I like it and I hate it at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate it. Obviously, I hate it when you have conversations surrounding players on your own team and, oh, is this going to guy? Is he going to enter the transfer portal? Is he going to go? Is he going to go? But in terms of generating interest for the NCAA, that was a very smart move. You can't say that all the time for the NCAA. That right. They make a smart new move. They made a smart new move with the transfer portal. It's easier for guys to to put their transfer in. It it generates buzz now, like it's one of those buzzworthy things, and it it's a no it's a no lose situation for really for both parties involved. Obviously, if a guy's gonna transfer, he's gonna transfer. But this just makes the process easier for them to seek out opportunities elsewhere. And the next step and the next evolution in the transfer portal is to allow them to play next season where they want to go. The coaches can go wherever they want to go, season by season. Team managers can go if they want to go to some. You know, everybody else involved in the basketball world in college can go to another college and and do their job the next season, except for the actual players. So that's the next step in making the transfer portal legitimate is allowing guys to play next season. And we we expect that to happen. I do I do think that the rule saying that you can only transfer was it once. Yeah. Without sitting out, I do think that that has to be implemented. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, I agree with you because you're going to get things like you know, not not to bring up sour grapes or anything, but you get a guy like Michael Benajay who played at six different high schools in four years. Right. Like, yeah, no, you yeah, you don't want that to happen. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Which so there's got there's got to be a rule in place. Good. I, I I totally agree with that. Don't disagree whatsoever. But you know, let let the kid go. Let him go where he wants to try out somewhere different, and and let him play that following season. Yeah, it's hard to argue. We can, we, we can do an entire podcast on that. Mm-hmm. But this is a Duke podcast, so mm-hmm. we're going to finish it up on this. Duke has great news that Matt Hurt, Lendo yep. Moore are coming back. Yeah, we got absolutely. a lot of things to look forward to. I want you guys to check out Duke Wave on Instagram. He has yep. a couple really cool starting five from the 1980s, the 1990s, mm-hmm. 2000s, and 2010s. Make your votes. We're going to bring him on on our next podcast. To talk about what the results were, and we're gonna debate that AC. So I want you to get your notes. I know that I dominated you. I know that I dominated your last podcast. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. Go ahead and tell me. I was right about Cassie Stanley. I was right about Matt. Right. 
you were right, but my Thank argument you. was better. That's all, that's all, that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> all right, so we have plenty to talk about next week on our podcast. We will be back. Everybody stay safe. The light is at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. We will be back next season for Duke, but we will be back next week on this podcast. Go Duke. Go Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast. That's the number Five Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. Go Duke!